0: This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingalls. Shop online with Ingalls Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, everybody, Mike Griffith here. Hope you all are doing well tonight. Hope you're having a great week and a great summer. It feels like it's been a minute since I've had a chance to talk with you. This is my first opportunity to kind of share some of the things that I learned during those spring meetings down there in Dustin, Florida, You know, the big, the grand takeaway was just how in control Kirby Smart seemed to be. Not just of his program, but in the SEC. When you win back-to-back championships, and yes, there are still some Alabama fans, there, there are even some media members, you know, that aren't ready to move Nick Saban and Alabama aside. I understand that every time, it feels like every time I do a spot, whether it's on our dog nation shows or even on the sec network or on Nashville radio or Atlanta radio or Athens radio. uh, People want to bring this up. You know, has Mike, they say, has Georgia replaced Alabama? I don't know how much more clear it can get. Yes. Not only did they beat them once, but they won the national championship again and Alabama lost two games with the best player in college football. Make no mistake about it. Bryce Young was the best player in college football the last two years. He didn't win the Heisman Trophy two years in a row. But if you want one guy that can beat you, and, oh, by the way, the last guy that beat Georgia seemingly single-handed that night in the SEC championship is Bryce Young. And yet somehow Bama lost two games with him and didn't win a national championship with Bryce Young. So when we do this side-by-side comparison, and and I understand, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, and listen, I think Kirk Herbstreet, I'm just going to say this. I think he is the best prognosticator of the college football analysts in terms of I feel like Herbstreet has a better feel for who's good, who's not good. I've listened to him a long time. I've interviewed him several times, different beats, different places, and he is really in tune. And when he said he felt like Alabama and LSU were a half a step ahead a couple of weeks ago, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised by the take. I was surprised that he shared it because Kirk had to know what the reaction would be. How could you say that on the heels of Georgia winning back-to-back titles? Well, I can't speak for Kirk, but I think I understand what he was thinking. And I'll get to it later in the show, but I think Kirk wonders about Georgia leadership. And I'm not talking about Kirby Smart. I'm talking about within the program. Some of you probably already know what type of leadership I'm talking about because that stuff does matter. But we'll we'll dive into that more later in the show because Kirby Smart did address some of that when he was down there in Destin. But back to the Kirby and Saban comparison. You know, I was watching a replay of the 2015 National Championship game I think that's when Alabama beat Clemson out in Arizona. And watching Kirby operate on the sidelines and realizing how much control he had at Alabama. More than what I see the Georgia defensive coordinators have on the Georgia sideline. And and I'm not saying that Nick Saban didn't have control of his team. He did. But he kind of stood there and listened when Lane Kiffin was talking to the offense. And you could just see Kirby was the one really – And so I wonder now, when you look at what Nick Saban has for coordinators, and Kevin Steele is, he's a very good coach, very good coach. I think this is his third go-round at Alabama. I wonder how effective he'll be. We saw him at Auburn not too long ago. How effective will Kevin Steele be as the Alabama defensive coordinator? Yes, they had to make a change. But is it an old dog with new tricks, or is it an old dog with – I just wonder. They had to replace Pete Golding, although a lot of people said Pete Golding left on his own. Maybe, maybe so, but that wasn't working. Okay, that was an issue. And then offensively, Tommy Reese. I, what do you know about the Notre Dame quarterback? Do you really know anything about his offense? And from what I hear, he's not even going to run his offense. He's going to run Alabama's offense. So there's so many questions. The quarterback position. Why didn't Kirk point to those questions when he was comparing the program? That was the only question I had. Yes, it's obvious that Georgia has some things to address. Okay, it's, it's well documented. Look, people are doing their jobs reporting, investigating. Georgia will now do their job to correct the things that have been turned up through the investigation. This is going to enable Kirby Smart to make changes that he needs to make. He's on notice now. He's aware. And I think a lot of the discussion where the the off-the-field issues have been concerned, it's almost a philosophical question. If you're going to have athletes with access to more money and more vehicles, how much of the responsibility falls on the head coach? Now, ultimately, he oversees the whole program. I get it. But how much direct responsibility? And oh, by the way, yes, there's somebody that's been there to take care of. Take, Isn't that what parents want? That when they send their son to Georgia, coach, are you going to look out for my son? Are you going to make sure everything's OK? Where does that stop? Where does that end? It's a gray area. And I think it's happening all over the country. I think there's a lot of unintended consequences from the NIL. Georgia is the two-time national championship program, so they're going to have more scrutiny, right? And yet, part of what comes with that is being able to answer these questions on behalf of many other programs. Like, what are other coaches doing? What are other programs doing? So I've seen this act before. This is what happens when you are the number one program in college football, which Georgia is. So the questions keep coming. I don't understand how anybody would make that case for Alabama right now. You, can, now, Yes, Nick Saban has won seven titles and six at Bama, but it's been a few years. I'm not saying they're they're dead and buried, but I feel like Georgia is a lot more of a sure thing this year to get in the SEC championship game than Alabama is. I look at LSU. Now, granted, they played Florida State right out of the gate. What a ball game. That is a playoff caliber ball game. Either one of those teams, both, could be in the college football playoff. And you're going to see that opening week when LSU plays Florida State. I don't know who to pick. That's how good I think Florida State's gotten, right? LSU is also very good. Those quarterbacks are both back. I really like their defensive line and their front seven. I thought LSU did a lot of really good things. I think Brian Kelly is a fantastic coach. Enough that I'm not sure that Alabama's going to beat them in Tuscaloosa. A lot of people say, "Well, they're playing in Tuscaloosa, doesn't matter." I think LSU could be a better team. We'll see, you know. And then I don't really this 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 may come out of left field, but I don't really count out AM. Now, it, it, now they could bust and Jimbo could be fired. They could go six and seven again. But Bobby Petrino, for all of the jokes, this guy is a whale of a coach and they bring back so much talent. I think there's a better chance that AM wins 10 or 11 games than six or seven. I'm bullish on AM. They got rid of a lot of guys that were issues, 31 players transferred out. Sometimes there's addition by subtraction. I feel like A&M is a team to watch over there. Old Miss, great running back, best running back in the league, without a doubt. Two really good quarterbacks. But the way they faded last year, they were built on transfers. They didn't have that structural integrity that a lot of programs that are grown from within have. So I've got questions about Ole Miss. I've got questions about Lane Kiffin as a championship coach. Do I think he could win 9 or 10? Sure. Do I think he could sustain? Do I think their program could handle success? Last year, they didn't. LSU, AM, Alabama, they're all in it. Ole Miss, periphery, Arkansas, I think we all love Sam Pittman. But I just don't know if he's got the talent there week in and week out. Auburn, I think, is sneaky good. People ask me, what did you think about Hugh Freeze? I said, I thought he was sneaky good. Good and sneaky. And if you look at Hugh Freeze's track record, I mean, just kind of watching him move around, you know, he just kind of like an alley cat. You just never really knew where Hugh Freeze might pop up. And he was so understated. And I know Auburn. I just feel it. Auburn is going to beat somebody next year that they shouldn't. They're going to beat somebody. Could it be now? Could they beat Alabama? Perhaps Georgia? It's on the plains. I mean that. That's a long shot. I'm not calling that shot. I just want to say that. But I will tell you that. I will tell you this, and it's not a guarantee, but it's a hunch. Auburn is going to beat somebody they shouldn't. They're going to beat Alabama, Georgia, or LSU. One of those three teams. I don't know which one. Take it to the bank. I can just feel it. It's not just Hugh Freeze. It's the money and the power that has rallied around that program. When boosters and fans have seen enough and they get angry enough, they'll say, what do we got to do? We're going to throw whatever we got to I think Auburn has brought in some good players. I think Hugh Freeze runs a good system. I think Auburn was tough last year. I was there at Auburn LSU, and you might remember this because Brandon Adams and I did a pregame show. He's doing it from the Georgia field, and I was at Auburn. It's halfway through the second quarter on the plains, and LSU is down 17-0 to to Auburn. The same LSU that put 548 yards on Georgia, okay? I'm just saying, I don't think Auburn is as bad. Now, they may lack depth, and that may hurt them later in the year. But I feel like Auburn's got some bite left to it. I don't pick them to win the West. I'm putting them on that level with Ole Miss, Arkansas. Unfortunately for Mississippi State fans, I think the loss of Mike Leach beyond being tragic spiritually, personally, I think that – I just don't know if I have enough confidence in the new coach. He was a good defensive coach, that doesn't necessarily translate to being a good head coach. Kirby recently spoke about all the things you need to do when you're a head coach that you never really do before. You can't really be prepared to do it until you do it. I wonder, I wonder how the housekeeping is going at Mississippi State. I, I project that to be a program with fall off uh, in light of Coach Lee's uh, unfortunate passing. LSU a m Alabama, any one of those three, any one of those three in the East. And this is the last year, by the way, that we get to talk about East and West. I don't know how you feel about that. I'm going to miss it. I'm not saying it was a bad decision to eliminate divisions, but I'm going to miss the divisions. Part of why they eliminated divisions was so that the scheduling could open up the one seven model which is what we're going to see moving forward. Now, next year, one-year deal, they're going to manipulate it to make sure that Georgia and Auburn play in addition to Georgia-Florida. Okay, But once next year's over, you'll see Georgia-Florida protected. And if 1-7 doesn't become 3-6 model, Georgia won't play Auburn every year. Now, I don't know when or if they're going to go to nine games. I know a lot of people wanted to see that And that was such a big bone of contention. And Kirby came down there and said, it doesn't matter to him. Yes, he wants to protect the Auburn rivalry. But beyond that, it didn't matter. He said, you're going to play everybody every two years anyway. You're going to play everybody in the league over two years. So Kirby wasn't hung up on this. Not like Saban, not like Drinkwitz, not like Billy Nee. He wasn't hung up. He's like, this is a waste of time. We're going to play everybody anyway. But next year is the final year for divisions. And then we're going to move on to the 1-7 model in 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma joined the league. And uh, when I come back, I want to take a halftime break right now. And when I come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the scheduling because there were some critics. And some of you may have seen on Twitter and my Twitter account at Mike Griffith 32 I wouldn't call it a Twitter beef but there was an exchange that I had with an ESPN writer. And, and of course, Tim Brando, one of the more famous network names. Uh, I'll get into that more, but r- right now I want to take a moment. And I want to thank our sponsor Ingalls uh, for everything they do. And and I want to send a personal shout out to the Ingalls in Thomaston, Georgia. I was recently there and I needed to go there and get some. And when I walked in that store I listened to the jingle just like you all have and thought about the messages and being in a different town and different angles. You're like, you're, well, is this one going to, and I just knew, I said, you know what? They're going to, they're, they're going to have exactly what I need. And they did. And it was awesome. And so it was a really good experience. So right now though, let's take a moment. I want to recognize our sponsor angles. When we come back, we're going to talk about the scheduling. We're going to talk about Stetson Bennett's latest, Old Stetson, I'll tell you what, we love to talk about him. Whether you like him or you don't, you got to admit he's pretty fascinating. You know what else fascinating? Ingles, let's recognize our sponsor right now. It's all in the bag. Ingalls, low prices, love the savings. Well, welcome back to the show. And we were just talking about scheduling a minute ago and it seemed like it got talked to death. And just when I thought it was over, someone from ESPN, Adam Rittenberg, a guy that I know really well and a really talented reporter. He lives up in the Chicago area, um, universally respected guy. So it was perplexing that he was kind of critical of, you know, hey, SEC fans deserve better. They deserve better than this eight-game schedule. And I said, well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand Georgia fans deserve better because of this Jacksonville, Florida thing, which you I just, you know, anyway. But most SEC fans are getting plenty of really good home games. And the results are such that the SEC doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. When you go 14-3 and against other conferences in the playoffs, I think that's pretty damning testimony that the league is that much better. Oh, by the way, do you know what those three losses were? How many of you right now, in your mind, can identify the three SEC losses to non-SEC teams in the college football playoff. You know what they are? I, I'm, I'm sure you either do or you don't. You're searching, you're riffling through. Amazing. Alabama lost all three of them. It was Alabama lost all three. They lost to Ohio State in the first year. And then they lost twice to Clemson. Those are the three. That's it. That's the only ones. LSU hasn't lost a college football playoff game out of conference. George's loss was to Alabama, not out of conference. Georgia had a great game with Oklahoma, dominated Michigan, just destroyed them. Great game with the Ohio State, dominated TCU. George has been outstanding. And LSU and Joe Burrow, I mean, to me, just being completely honest, and I'll never forget this, Kirby Smart telling me before that game, he said, this is the most talented team I've ever prepared for. I took a step back because Kirby doesn't just say shh, shh, stuff like that. Okay. A lot of coaches, oh, this team's the best. This team's the best. This team's the best. Uh-uh. Kirby doesn't just say that. What do we say? Kirby doesn't play like Honey Badger, right? Kirby doesn't play. And when Kirby said that, I was like, dang, that's coming from Kirby. When you think about all the great offenses he faced, not just at Georgia, but at Alabama. And played against himself in the 1990s. I mean, he played against Tennessee and Peyton Manning. He played against Spurrier teams. He coached against Spurrier teams. He coached against Cam Newton. He He's coached against the best. And he said that LSU team was the best he'd ever. And then, of course, we saw that. And Georgia actually played really well that night. Held him to some field goals. I mean, if the, if, if there's not a drop, if Jake Fromm had a, a receiving core, I'm not saying they would have won. But Georgia played really tough. That 2019 Georgia team had some guts about them, even though they were short in the receiving core. They had some guts. Um, but I think 2019 LSU, I put them up against Pete Carroll's best team. Was it 2004 USC that dominated Oklahoma down there in Miami? I think it might have been. The year before USC lost to Texas, was that 2005? Those are the two best teams I've seen of this millennium. That USC team that destroyed Oklahoma, and the Joe Burrow LSU team. Those are the two best. I'd take those two teams over. I mean, just being objective, just being honest with you. Um, the Georgia teams were good the, among the better championship teams, but they they weren't they weren't as balanced as those teams, um, which makes it all the more impressive. So much of what Georgia's done. The last two years has been coaching and leadership so much. And I want to kind of circle back because Kirby did talk about discipline when he was in Destin. And that's important right now because, as we mentioned, there's some well-documented reporting going on. Everybody knows, you know, there's there's been a rash of speeding and um, people wonder about the discipline in the program. And, again, that comes with the turf when you're number one. But what Kirby said was that no one was more embarrassed by what happened this summer than Marcus Rosemey-Jackson, the most recent. And Marcus was going 90 and a 45, and his parents were embarrassed by that. They're, They're crushed by that. And Denial and Morissette also had an incident. These are the two incidents that have occurred since the tragedy. When everyone says, hey, haven't you guys learned by now? And I think young people, I say this and I, I don't say it to be a smart aleck, but I've, I've raised three children and I'm not making excuses because I'm all about accountability. I, 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 I guess I would like to see the punishment. What, what is it? What are you going to do? I guess I'm like everybody else, but the fact is, Kids' brains aren't really completely formed until they're 24. Now, that's not an excuse. That's not a, well, so that's, that. there you go. They can do whatever they want. No, not at all. But if you're puzzled of how something like that can happen, it just tells you these aren't completely grown men yet. They look like grown men. They sound like grown men. They certainly play football like grown men. But this is where it gets tough with young college students that suddenly have all this responsibility and all this money and power, how do you balance that with the maturity level? How do you balance that with the decision-making? This is an unintended consequence of NIL. Now, that's not to say there shouldn't be NIL, and that's not to say that's an excuse, but things need to change, okay? There needs to be more ramifications for mistakes. Maybe it's fines. I don't know. Maybe it's some other sort of penalty. I'm not sure. Kirby and his staff and the athletic director, Josh Brooks, they take approach of these are kids. What would you do if they were your kids as a parent? Fair enough. But there's also a community side to this. What would you do if these kids were going through your neighborhood or your town at these speeds what if they weren't football players what if it was a motorcycle game would you be sympathetic and go well yeah they just made no but because they're football players and the fans love them people don't want to and, and so it all makes sense everybody's right for the way they feel the question is what are the answers and what are the solutions and that's why the reporting that's been done the investigations that have been done when you discover your mistakes, you're able to fix them. And you hear Kirby Smart talk about that all the time. Now, most of the time, Kirby talks about it with football. He talks about the scrimmages. When it's best on best, he says, we're going to get exposed. We want to be exposed. So what we so we know, Georgia knows what we need to work on when we get exposed in practice. And that's Kirby's mindset, right? Fix the weakest link. Well, there's been some other things that have been exposed. And if you know Kirby Smart, like I think I do, going to all his press conferences, Kirby will fix what has been exposed. That's that's not to say it's a good thing. It's not to say it's all right. We're just dealing in reality here, okay? And that's where George is going to go. And how quickly the leaders, like Marcus Roseme jack Saint, one of the team captains, can accept this message and this responsibility and hold each other accountable, forget Kirby holding them accountable. He will. They'll be disciplined. But it's when the players hold each other accountable. That's where they miss N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis and Nolan Smith. They miss having those sort of mature leaders that can hold the team responsible. Hey, before the coach gets to you, I got a message, Right the best programs, the championship programs, the undefeated teams that I've covered at Auburn, at Tennessee, uh, at Georgia, they've had those players in the huddle that hold one another accountable. Where is this team at with that? We don't know. That's what we don't know. And even Kirby said he's going to wait till this summer to see what this team's made of. You had better believe that he is creating adversity out there every day. And if it's not him, it's Scott Sinclair, that strength and conditioning staff, or it's the players themselves in their little individual workouts, their unsupervised workouts. You had better believe they are learning to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You've heard it before. We've seen it before. But a lot of these players have never been at the forefront of that. And now they are. And can this next group, not are they talented enough, But are they mentally tough enough? Are they mature enough? Is there enough leadership in the ranks for this team to have the sort of character they're going to need to get through a season? Because last year, they were down 10 to Missouri. That wasn't supposed to be a tough game. So when people look at the schedule and go, oh, yeah, it's easy. Look, there's three or four games in that schedule that Georgia could lose. Possibly. I'm not saying will lose. Now, I'm not saying should lose but on the wrong day of the year could lose and you better believe at Auburn and at Tennessee or two of them. You better believe that. I'm not convinced South Carolina can beat Georgia on their best day. I'm not convinced Missouri can either. I know their defense is going to be salty, but it's going to be here. I don't think Vanderbilt could and their best day in 50 years. Heck they didn't even show up one year. I'm never going to let them forget that either. Um, uh, Yeah, there's some teams from the West that could beat them in the SEC title game on the wrong day. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see how the team responds this summer. And we'll know, we'll have an idea when Kirby speaks in Nashville. Can you believe? I mean, that's that's about a month away. We're almost to SEC media days. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I, I got a good taste of the sec coaches at the sec spring meetings you could kind of tell what was going through their mind i'll tell you this billy Napier's happy they're playing in jacksonville that that's that's going to help florida out a lot that keeps florida on life support i saw these renderings of this new jacksonville stadium and i'm like what's the point of this you know for the people that argue traditional no tradition that's a nfl stadium like i just and the weirdest thing I saw because they're talking about, you know, building this new stadium, we know that since we've last talked, Georgia's, you know, the money came, the money came, and Georgia extended the series in Jacksonville for the next three seasons at least. But when the Jaguars new stadium is being built, people are saying, well, maybe they'll play Georgia, Florida, and Orlando or Daytona International Speedway. I'm like, no, I, Daytona Speedway, I, I've i been there. I covered at least 15 Daytona 500s and 15 Pepsi. I've been there track 30 times. It's nothing like the Bristol Motor Speedway where the Tennessee, Virginia, I was there for that. That was pretty cool. It probably wasn't the best sight lines for the fans any more than it was us. They actually gave us all a pair of binoculars to watch. the. I'm not joking. I still have those. Uh, the people in the press box had binoculars to watch the game. That would be terrible. But if if Georgia gets paid enough money, maybe they'll do it because that money helps out. One of the things that happened at the Georgia spring meetings was they announced that they're going to build new track facilities at Georgia across from where the softball and base, excuse me, where the softball and soccer stadiums are. There's going to be a new track there and an indoor track. Kirby's finally going to get those grass practice fields where the current track is at, that's something that's coming. Um, Someone also mentioned the the Georgia recruiting budget being more than anybody, right? Kirby explained, they don't have a university plane; They got to rent one. So those expenses are somewhat skewed. And that's not to say that Georgia wouldn't or doesn't spend a ton of money. They do. We know how important talent is, as well as the development, as well as the maturity and the leadership that we've talked about tonight. But you got to have talent too. But it's not as crazy off balance as it looks. It's that un- Georgia doesn't have a university plane. So I promise you I'd mention Stetson tonight. And it's so much fun to talk about Stetson because his story is so unique. Uh, the Incredible Journey. I think that title has already been taken. Wasn't it about some animals that got lost or something like that? The Incredible Journey. I feel like I did a book report on that at some point in school. Um Stetson's journey is incredible, and him going to the Los Angeles Rams, it just couldn't be written Any, It's a Hollywood script. I mean, you say, how can Stetson make it any – well, if he goes to the perfect team with a veteran quarterback that feels compelled to take him under his wing and the guy gets hurt and he's got a head coach that's um, super confident and thinks he can work with anybody – all of those dominoes have fallen, folks. Stetson has gone to the perfect team, playing under Matthew Stafford, tremendous football coach, great supporting cast. Hollywood, California, for Stetson Bennett. I love it. I'm convinced. I've said this on here before. This is where y'all think I go crazy. I don't. I think he's going to be an actor out there. Now, in his football, football work. Yes, he's going to do football. Y'all think this is crazy. I think he will be a great actor. If you've seen his NIL pieces, he is fantastic in front of a camera. Fantastic. And he has a knack of performing on the big stage. Put it all together. First things first, though, Stetson's trying to win some playing time. He's trying to become the number two quarterback beat out Ripien. Uh a, a guy who's had some starting experience. It's not a gimme. I think it's a gimme that Stetson, I think he's going to make the team. I do. But the other day, Stetson, Sometimes he gets a little cross on Twitter. We saw that in his exchange with Steak Shapiro after the parade. Now he's gotten cross with Jim Nagy, the senior bowl executive director, which is interesting because Jim kind of supported Stetson. and But Jim didn't invite Stetson in his first round of running backs. So maybe that, I don't know. I can't read Stetson's mind, but Jim had made a comment. Um, there's a there's a player out there, some 10-year-old kid named Baby Gronk, and this kid's been working out and you know, the machine and all this. And Jim was basically saying that he thinks sometimes people overdevelop kids too soon, and ultimately genetics are gonna be what decide if your kid make it. Now, obviously, there's some positions where skill is more important than others, quarterback, especially, which I think Stetson speaks from the heart because he's a guy who's worked his whole life for this opportunity probably took that in a way of, hey, don't be telling people not to try to get overdeveloped too soon. You can, you know, that's what you need to. So he probably took that to heart. I think Jim was making the comment that sometimes parents, you know, spend all this money on camps or or development or protein supplement or whatever. And it's kind of crazy because if you're not a big, strong, fast person, you're not going to fill 98% of the jobs in the NFL. All right. Stetson is one of the exceptions. We know he's a little bit smaller than others. He's fast, but we know he's a little bit smaller and, and he beat the odds. So I think he took exception and he kind of, kind of poked fun at Jim Nagy. Jim's a guy that has a lot of NFL context. So I'm kind of like, you know, what's the meme of the Michael Jackson eating popcorn thing. Like I'm just kind of watching this, like, You know, and I talked to Jim and I called Jim. I I said, Jim, he he said, Mike, I don't know. He said, I, he he actually shared a tweet. He said, I I was one of the first people after the Oregon game to say it's time to consider this guy in NFL. I said, Jim, you just got to understand. Stetson has just moments and uh, he's an interesting guy to follow. um, But Stetson is a player of moments and, I don't know what the next moment is, but I'm I am tuned in. I am tuned in for this. I am here for this. I will report this for you all to keep up with it because it is fascinating. The whole Georgia football story, whether we're talking about Kirby Smart, and just think about his story as a former player. And Kirby was talking about how when he's with the Colts, like even though he knew in the back of his mind he might cut up, he, he might get cut. He didn't really know until he was actually cut. And it was hard for him. He he actually drove back, and I need to write this, but he actually drove back to Athens that night and bought a newspaper and saw his name in the paper, and that was when the finality kicked in. And Kirby's journey to become a head coach, to become a coaching legend, I think Kirby is on the SEC Mount Rushmore. And I know that's going to upset some Tennessee fans because that means that Robert General Nealon isn't any longer – but I think Kirby has replaced the general because you've got Paul Bear Bryan on there and you've got Nick Saban on there and you've got Steve Spurrier on there. Now, maybe, maybe Tennessee fans will say get Spurrier off there because he only won one title, but Spurrier won seven SEC titles in 12 years. I think that's, he was a dominator of the nineties, maybe general Nealon. I don't know, but I think Kirby smart belongs on that wall. I really do. And I know it's been a difficult off season at times. And I know that there's been some challenges, but I think you find out about people when there's adversity. And my feeling after listening to Kirby and Destin and talking to him, I think Kirby is up to the challenge. I think he's got great control of his program. I think the momentum is amazing. All you got to do is look at the recruiting trail. Jeff Santel, So much good reporting of late. There's going to be more. There's going to be more. Check Dog Nation tomorrow. I can't tell you the surprise is coming, but just go to our website this week. You don't want to miss a day this week. I'll just tell you that. You don't want to miss a day this week. Jeff will be on Wednesday night with Centel uh, before the hedges. He'll knock it out of the park. Brandon Adams every day. 10 a.m. every weekday. Of course, you saw Connor coverage on Sunday nights. Connor doing um, some really good work. Had a story today about ESPN saying Georgia has the number one defense in the country. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think they're going to have the best defense in the country. I don't. I think they'll be one of the top four or five, but I've got some questions I need answered. I still think they're going to be in the championship hunt, but that doesn't necessarily translate to number one defense. I think the offense is going to be much better than people realize. I really do. I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. I really enjoy our On the Beach show with Ingles. I I think it's important to share perspective and some concepts about what's going on. It's easy to, from 10,000 feet to, to try to get a read on what's happening if you're a fan. And hopefully I've given you some insight and some perspective on some things. And you don't have to agree with me. I welcome your opinions. But you guys clearly, with your comments. Um, if you've got more comments, ask them. I would also encourage you to go on our Dog Nation forum. I do a lot of one-on-one comments in there. This is a free forum. Just Google Dog Nation forum, and we've got these threads and this live message board. And I recognize i I recognize the names in there, and you will too. And there's a lot of really good commenters that kind of have their own takes and, and some of them use their real name and some of them don't, but it's really respectful and it's a really good give and take. I love doing the show Monday night, but I go to that forum probably three or four times a day and weigh in on topics. And if you go in there and join that forum, like I said, it's free to join it. You you can ask questions. You can comment on threads. You might even get into it with me one-on-one. I'm not going to make it personal. Probably won't make it personal. But sometimes people get my goat. I'll admit that. But but we're going to chat. We're, we're, we're going to type and we're going to write on our Dog Nation forum. So check that out. Um, I want everybody to have a wonderful week. Like I said, check our page every day this week. Trust me on that. You're not going to be disappointed. So everybody, I want to thank Ingles. I want to thank everybody for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you next Monday night. Have a great week, everybody.